Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Vancouver Life Real Estate. Oh, yeah, you can't say that. Uh, <laughs> this week's episode, I guess, right? So, sure, that's fine. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode. Um, Guys, it is a story of jobs versus inflation right now. As we take a look across the uh, the nation, we're taking a look at the macro picture here. Uh, what's happening in uh, all across the nation? Very different levels of activity happening in different provinces. Um, we've got job reports that are ten times the predictions we thought they would be. Inflation is coming down, and yet bond yields are going back up. Mortgage rates are ticking up as well. Uh, inventory has barely moved. And so in some micro markets, we're seeing multiple offers. So we'll get into this some more, but what I want to, um, what I want everyone to understand here is that the market is so dynamic right now. It continues to move incredibly quick. Uh, one week rates are down, the next they're up. So for those wondering if it makes any sense to buy or sell in this environment, you know, Dan and I have been through a number of cycles like this in the past, and we've helped well over 250 clients navigate difficult situations like this. So just reach out if you have uh, any questions, and that's in the contact info- information below. Okay, so let's get right into it today. And as Ryan mentioned, the bond yield is jumping right now. And this is, of course, important to watch because of what it's going to do to fixed mortgage rates. So five-year Canada bond jumped about 50 basis points in just the last two weeks here and is now sitting about 3.6%. And that's for the first time we've seen it at that height since November of last year. A couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, we saw the five-year uninsured fixed rates sitting at around 4.28%. Those are now beginning with the number five in front of them. So just to give you an idea of how quick things are changing in this kind of landscape, the jobs report is what largely kicked this into high gear as well, of course. And again, like Ryan had mentioned, the economists had predicted about 15,000 new jobs to uh, come to fruition here in January, and that ended up being 150,000, 10x what was expected. And what's crazy about that number is it was actually the second month in a row where we saw economists miss the mark to the tune of 10 times, because back in December, that jobs report was estimated to hit 10,000 new jobs and actually hit 100 thousand. So two monster back-to-back jobs reports. And that is, of course, pushing those bond yields higher and putting us today sitting around 3.6%. So, you know, if you happen to lock in at 4.28 two weeks ago, kudos, because now you're looking in the low fives. Yeah. So what exactly does all this mean, all of these new jobs? Well, Temporary workers have dramatically outpaced the growth among landed immigrants and those born in Canada. So temporary workers, their positions have surged about 70% since 2018 compared to just 7% total job growth. Now remember that in early 2022, 
there were 1 million job vacancies, and we're still currently at 800,000 today. So to help fill these jobs, Canada blew the doors open to non-permanent residents, where in Q3 of 2022, non-permanent residents saw larger growth than a full year since 1971. That's, it's crazy, because when you think about the rental market, that's what's driving these all-time highs. So though this is likely unsustainable to carry through, um, it, it follows a, a, a cyclical event. Um, but we expect the labor market will likely weaken substantially by the back half of this year um, as the cycle continues to slow down, as we continue to inch towards a recession. Early indicators of this are seen um, in the active business count, right? So this has edged downwards in recent months and the first time since COVID hit. So we're really starting to see that slowdown. It's just starting now uh, and expect more and more jobs to kind of get taken out as we move into the year. Keep in mind, people go where jobs flow, right? That's the old sentiment. And of course, if Canada has a big sign saying jobs, jobs, jobs to the tune of 800K or so, people are going to come here. That's just the way it goes. People go to where they can work. And so while that doesn't help Tiff Macklem and uh, his overnight rates as far as holding them, that will lean him towards increasing Inflation is giving us the other side of that story, where inflation just last week had actually dropped 0.4% and is now sub 6% for the first time in one whole year. So that, of course, will help on the maintaining overnight interest rates of where they are for the March 8th announcement coming up in just a couple of weeks here. So the strong economy is doing the opposite. Like we just mentioned, when you have that many people working, when you've got record unemployment rates, people ultimately will be spending. So a complete tug of war, it's kind of been the conversation that way for a few months now. Uh, one side is keeping it up, one side's pulling it down, and we're all just kind of stuck in the middle here. Again, no recession as of yet. When you have that many people working, that uh, recession can is going to continue to get kicked down the road. Now, as we all know, this can change so quickly. When the economists are missing jobs reports by 10x to the upside, does that mean they can miss it to the downside? Quite potentially. So again, it just feels like things are so dynamic right now. They're changing so quick and we're doing our best to keep on top of it and report as such to you. Kind of, kind of feels like no one knows what's going on. <laughs> uh, with that being said, let's take a look at Canadian real estate. Um, broadly speaking here. So national home prices have dropped an additional 1.9%. That's pretty big in January. Now down a total of 12.8% year over year and down 15% since the peak. So that's an average loss to the uh, average Canadian household of about $130,000 on average. But, and it's a fairly large caveat, we are still 30% higher than the pre-COVID, pre-pandemic levels. So this was uh, on the back of the lowest sales volume the country has seen since 2009, and there's still no new listings in sight. January was the lowest level of new listings in 20 years. And I think the population um, and housing growth is, has definitely you know skyrocketed since then. Um, but the overall real estate sentiment, it's pretty pretty crappy. It's in the dumps. 
Uh, we're actually at a fresh two-year low this particular week. So second only to the depths of the early days of the pandemic, right? So um, again, not a great place for sentiment. Uh, let's not forget that we're 30% higher than pre-COVID levels as this continues to wash out. So with that sentiment, maybe it's going to start to change here with prices starting to come down because it's all about affordability and what people can, of course, pay. And when Ryan's mentioning those numbers, understandably, they're most impactful in Ontario and British Columbia, where Ontario is off 20% from the highs and, and British Columbia as a province is down 16% from its peak about one year ago. And these kind of numbers are, of course, helping with affordability because affordability is has improved here for four months in a row. We're not saying houses are affordable. We're saying affordability is improving. And that just means essentially that your cost to maintain a home, your monthly mortgage payment is coming down. So while that sounds nice, let's also keep in mind that mortgages are actually double. Mortgage costs are double what they were in uh, 2001. But hey, at least we are trending the right way for four months here. You got to start somewhere. I think you mean 2021, but even still. What did I say? <laughs> you said 2001. 2001. Well, definitely. Shockingly, they're not much more than double 2001, but yes, thanks for correcting me. Yeah, they're, they're, they're double what they were two short years ago, which yeah. is where all the pain is. But uh, yeah, they're probably only up 2.1-ish two you know, yeah, <laughs> since yeah. 2001. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's touch on construction because, you know, we, we and this is an interesting interesting development because, uh, you know, we've had uh, people on our podcast in the last couple of weeks who have said they can't find enough people for the construction jobs that they have. Um, and this is going to be very interesting because I think in the latter half of the year, we're going to start to see a lot of small businesses and, and especially those in construction, you know, especially when it comes to single family home uh, construction or multifamily home construction, that's going to dial back significantly here if things continue down this trend. So January housing starts fell 13% month over month, the lowest level since early 2020. So 245,000 were expected, uh, but 215,000 is actually the reality. So this was coupled with a recent real construction spending report showing decade lows, right? So this indicates fairly significant job losses are coming later this year, much like we've already seen in the tech sector. It's going to overflow now into construction. So yes, we haven't seen a recession, but in my mind, and it's starting to tilt that way. Dan, what do you think? Well, a lot of people, when I say people, a number of economists believe that essentially real estate is the economy. And it, it's been uh, the early indicator many times as far as when construction stops, recessions follow. So when we've got recession, sorry, when we've got construction pulling back as much as it is right now, it's a, an early indicator. It's not a guarantee but it's, a, it's an important metric to track. And again, a lot of these projects, they're not like they're not canceling them. They're just on hold. And when I say projects, mm -hmm. I'm talking about the big condominium towers and all the housing developments that, that developers had planned, but currently are just holding off on them until it's more feasible. They can't afford the workers. They can't afford the lumber and nobody's buying right now. So they can't actually get their bank financing by pre-selling X amount of units. So that is 
brings us to this recession, recession that our word has been discussed for months and months. And yet here we are with record jobs numbers. So it hasn't happened yet. It's kicked down the can again, though. Of course, there are some vulnerabilities on the horizon. One of those Ryan just touched on being, of course, the fact that construction is pulling back and that there's such a huge number of people employed within that industry. If they become unemployed and they stop spending and they can't afford their houses, for example, that will start to lead towards other recession indicators. And another one of these vulnerabilities, per se, is the amount of non-permanent residents in the country. They come here for jobs. We've got almost a million of them uh, last year. Now they're here helping fill those job vacancies. And, well, what happens if all those jobs disappear? Because 4.2% of Canada's population is currently NPRs or non-permanent residents. Does it? Would that collapse? Would, what would be the result of that? Well, let's think about housing. Would there be tens or hundreds of thousands of rentals that just open up to help ease the market? Well, think of it like this. Because of the growth trajectory outside of people other than just non-PRs, we would look at a year that instead of having a, a total Canadian population growth of about 870,000 people, that would pull down to about 400,000 people in one year. So we wouldn't go negative. Yes, it would free up a bunch of housing. But when you look at the demand, when you look at the current housing crisis, I'm not seeing that alone. If it were all to go to crap and every single non-PR left the country, uh, we're still sitting in a very tight inventory situation. So I don't know if that's the solution. But again, we might see a bit of easing within that segment should that happen. Yeah, I think the only other thing I'd like to touch on with that, too, is, it, you know, like you said, people go where the jobs go, right? People flow where the jobs go. So if the jobs dry up, then what we're realizing here pretty quickly is that our population growth, especially when it comes to non-permanent residences or a resident, would mean that uh, it's pro-cyclical. So as more and more of the jobs get created, more and more uh, up and up the economy continues to go, more and more people will come here to fill those labor shortages. But if we enter a recession, then like you're saying here, Dan, then the opposite would also take take effect, meaning people would then pile out of the country and into somewhere else where either it's more affordable or they're going to get paid more or they actually just have a job. So very interesting. I don't know where this is going to go from here. Uh, that said, I hope that economists are not off again to the tune of 10x for a third month in a row. Let's touch on uh, mortgage growth here. So new mortgage applications have been steadily declining since the middle of 2021. Originations are down by 37% year over year. This is the steepest annual drop on record. So what's really kind of strange here is Offsea, um, this, they, they must be seriously considering tightening lending requirements in this environment. To me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense anymore. Um, it just, if we're making it incredibly hard to, to, to get mortgages and people can't afford it and we have to stress test people at, a, at rates that just don't make sense, uh, then the whole thing will come to a halt, a grinding halt. Um, interestingly though, December, 2022 was the first uptick in that segment in seven months. So again, it's very hard to know where we're going right now. I think things are continuing to wash out and uh, we're, we're trying to find out where the next couple of months are going to put this marketplace. It's, it's very unclear right now. 
And when we talk to our lenders here, they're unquestionably seeing a, a significant uptick in new mortgage applications in, in January and, and definitely the later end of January and now February. So I believe nationally, that's probably going to be a, a similar sentiment. We'll likely see that number tick up in January. And hey, if it happens again in February, that's three months in a row. We've got a bit of a trend happening here. But what kind of mortgages are people getting? Because as I had just mentioned off the top here that we saw those fixed rates go from four to eight-ish into the low fives. It's interesting to see people's behaviors and of course their, I guess, predictions into the future. While we know consumer sentiment is in the dumps, well, people are still buying homes. Not as many as last year, obviously, but they are. And people that are buying homes are getting a very high number of one and two year fixed mortgages. Those are far and away the most uh, sought after mortgage type today to the tune of about all new mortgages. Um, 40% of them are one and two year fixed right now. And again, you've got to think just two years ago that those type of mortgages were only about 10% of the marketplace. What does that tell you? Well, people clearly believe that, Hey, they're going to buy a home. Now they know they've got a five to 30 year horizon in that home. And they feel fairly confident that within one to two years, mortgage rates are going to peel off. And that then at that point, they'll either renew fixed or even go into a variable. Five-year fixed are the least sought after mortgage today. Sure, makes a lot of sense. Right now, they're sitting about 14% of new mortgages. And compare that to back uh, in the heights of 2020 pre-pandemic, or, or sorry, middle of pandemic, um, 50% of mortgages, new mortgages were at five-year fixed rates. All right, let's touch on some debt here. Uh, one of the areas to watch um, as balances jumped 0.9% month over month in December, and they are up 13.8% year over year, right? So the six-month growth rate here for debt is 6.2%. This is the highest in seven years. And consumer insolvencies also rose by 13% year over year, we're still below, we'll, we'll still, we'll, sorry, excuse me, we are still 40% below pre-COVID levels. Um, and, but interestingly, businesses, I think, are going to lead the insolvency cycle this time around. With 800,000 job openings, December saw business insolvencies jump 23% year over year. The dollar volume of liabilities in those filings also jumped 89% year over year. This is the highest total since 2016. And of note was retailer insolvencies. This is kind of scary. Up 61% year over year. Business effective interest rates jumped from the low twos to over 6% now. That's threefold. So the number of active businesses in Canada is actually declining now for the first time since the, lockdown, the lockdowns. This is, uh, this is troubling, right? This is, if, if the businesses are failing, the businesses can't make it work, then the jobs won't come either, and then everything will fall behind that. So what do we expect is going to happen next, Dan? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very interesting report because, you know, on one hand, we've got 800,000 job vacancies. And, and wage growth happening, not as high as inflation, but happening. And then on the other hand, you've got businesses that are shutting down and highly indebted. Mm. It's two very polarizing reports. Both seem to be accurate, but we're going to obviously stay uh, tuned to these and, and update you as those evolve. And yeah, as far as what comes next, I mean, right now, the big thing to look forward to is the March 8th um, interest rate announcement. Based on today's uh, landscape, 
I would put my bet on uh, they're going to hold. I think this mm-hmm. is the first hold that we're going to see um, since they started increasing. And so that alone will have a major impact, I believe, on the marketplace and real estate marketplace in that it will kind of solidify that, hey, Tiff actually said he did actually did what he said he was going to do. There's a little bit more confidence in the marketplace. Hey, I know my mortgage rate is basically going to remain where it is for kind of the rest of the year-ish. And then um, that will bring people to feel more confident in buying and selling homes. And also it's March. So it's a bit of a spring market as far as timing goes. And that will mean the listings will start to increase as well. So I think that's what's going to happen in the immediate future. We're going to see February sales up about 60% higher than January. And then March, I think we're going to put another 50, 60% on top of the February numbers. Let's see some activity because that's where things are trending based on the early indicators of things like new mortgage originations. Yeah, I've got a couple thoughts too. I mean, just to kind of contrast that, I've got, uh, in many ways, I think um, this low level, extremely low level of uh, volume of transactions, uh, the, that, that the low transactional environment the low activity environment um, in terms of what's getting recorded on paper is unsustainably low for, uh, you know, projections like we've got in terms of immigration and, and so on. So I, I, I think you're going to see activity just, it has to come up. It will. Uh, with that said, w- there's a bit of a scary scenario with that because um, we've seen it before, although I'm not sure it'll play out like this, but I do want to put it out there. Um, is is the you know it could be a dead cap bounce right where we're not done in in this correction meaning a dead cap bounce for those of you who don't know is that if it's a it's a a stock term that when a stock actually falls from its height and it falls so hard and so drastically that when it hits the ground even a dead cap will bounce up <laughs> that's that's the the uh, that's the idea behind it. And so but what happens is when that dead cap bounces up is that it's a fake, right? And so when it comes back up, inventory rises. My, my impression here is that sellers, they have been holding onto their property because they know they can't get the number they could have got last year. Okay. But if we start to see prices inch up in February and we see activity levels inch up and now thing, you know, sellers are feeling like they can get close to the number or the number they could have got at some point earlier last year, then as that continue, as that trend continues and then you see a surge of supply or a surge of listings come on the marketplace uh, and then buyers go, hold on a second here, and they actually continue to wait as opposed to pouncing on that inventory, then all of a sudden you get more and more inventory that starts to, to pile on it, each other sellers start to become more and more competitive and they drop their prices and buyers continue to wait and a downward correction. We go even further. I don't know if we're going to see that. I don't think we have the inventory for that, but across the nation, there's a possibility of that happening in other marketplaces. Okay. So the answer is we'll see. (laughs) It's uh, (laughs) we are still in unique times. We have been in unique times basically since the COVID and the lockdowns and the cyclical trends are largely gone. I feel that this year they're, they're coming back, but they're coming off of very low baseline, which is creating somewhat of a unique landscape. Either way, we're going to keep you updated in real time. Uh, We will see you here next week. Thanks as always for tuning in and have an awesome day. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. 
for more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.